0: goodness guys before I get into this week's topic I wanted to talk to you about something really awesome that happened that I am celebrating and that is being featured on the top twenty Christian women podcast and that's for a blog uh, at feedspot.com and forward slash Christian Women Podcast. I'll put the link in the show notes to that in case you are interested to find some. But being featured in the top 20 is pretty amazing. I was really excited about that. Wanted to share your news. Really, that is a uh, testament to you guys thank you so much for listening and sharing and doing all the great things that help me to get the word out there so if you've been really feeling any finding any value in the show keep doing what you're doing review share it with your friends do all that good stuff and uh hopefully the show will continue to grow in that way this week, we are talking with Dr. Lynetta Willis. She is a psychologist and family empowerment coach who helps frustrated families break unhelpful patterns and family legacy patterns so they can move from stable misery into peaceful harmony. She helps her clients and audiences learn to strengthen their parenting, partnership, and personal growth practices so they can feel harmony in their hearts and homes. I am so excited to bring this conversation to you. Um, Dr. Willis is just a joy, really sweet to talk to, and has some really great tips for us on combating stable misery. Wonder what that is. Let's listen in. Maybe you don't argue that often, but since you barely connect anymore, you've started to give up hope of ever being happily married again. You might have contemplated or even fantasized about what it would be like to leave. Maybe you're telling yourself that you're just sticking it out for the kids. If this is you, I've been there. My story is your story. I want to help you heal and reignite your marriage while still believing in the promise God gave you. I want you to stay with me, learn from me, internalize the grace, guidance, and interviews, so that you can become the Gracefield wife. You can learn more and connect with me directly on Instagram at the Gracefield wife. Now let's dig in to today's show. Okay, guys, I am so excited today to introduce to you Dr. Lynetta Willis, who I heard on another show. And when I heard that episode, I felt like, oh, I have to have her come on and talk to you guys. Welcome, Dr. Willis. or Hello. Welcome, Lynetta. How are you?
1: Doing well. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited.
0: Yes. Awesome. So the thing that uh, attracted to me attracted me to you and your, your stuff and your work is hearing you speak about stable misery. Mm. So this podcast is all about marriages, but essentially the podcast is the grace fueled wife, right? So yes, we're looking at marriages, but, but also the, the wife. And so in hearing um, you describe stable misery and just hearing the description how so often it becomes us feeling like roommates I feel like my listener in many cases is feeling that same way and also um you know just knowing sometimes that, when we fall into a place of feeling like roommates, that's not like a death sentence for our marriage. There's a way out. We can get there. So, so, you know, it's, it's okay. There's hope for us ladies. So can you talk to us a little bit about uh, stable misery, how you came up with the, the term, you know, what is it identify it for the listener?
1: Yes. Yes. So stable misery it's funny it's a term i've been using for over 20 years in my practice and i i mentioned it once when i was in a conference with some colleagues and one of my colleagues was like wait wait, what was that phrase again <laughs> because i'm matt that's me you know and um so i've really been using it more and more ever since it's that state we find ourselves in usually in a couple of areas of our lives the people that i work with it's often in their parenting or in their partnership where things are going along decently well in most areas but in their marriage or in their parenting they feel like there is they're they're just unhappy or unfulfilled right needs aren't being met and it's stable because it keeps going along that trajectory over and and there's nothing huge that happens to just kind of knock us into another into another way of being so we keep going but it's miserable right and oftentimes when we find ourselves there we get so used to that habit we don't know what to do to change it and the inertia the sheer inertia of being there for so long just keeps us going but what ends up happening is by the time people end up calling me like you said they've been living like roommates for a long time or They um, keep having the same fights over and over and over again, no matter what they do to try to change it. Um, You know, stuff just keeps coming up for them. You know, they're triggered by many of the similar things or they might just shut down and give up. Right. It's just the sense of like, I, I don't even know anymore, whatever. I don't, I don't. Okay. Right. So it can really throw people on either side of the spectrum and I was in a stable misery marriage for quite a while, and I can tell you that there are some things that it is, and there's some things that it isn't, and you alluded to it in the intro. Um, A lot of times people think it's a symptom that their marriage is broken or that they're broken or they're not good enough. They're not a good enough parent or not a good enough partner. And what I often tell people is that's not it. It's a sign that you're in a stable misery marriage, that something needs to change. And usually stable misery is often a substitute as well for needs we're not voicing. Right. So we just kind of go into this space and instead of voicing what our needs are or where we really want to go in the relationship. Or maybe we feel like we voiced it a lot and nothing changed and nothing was heard, so we just stop.
0: Wow. So Good. Okay, good. All right. So that's what stable misery is. And then uh, I heard you talk about some of the ways uh, that we fall into the stable misery where you talked about path. Can you let our listeners know about that? Because I felt that was really enlightening and really just giving them something tangible to grab a hold of.
1: Absolutely. So as a psychologist, I've worked with um, families for 20 years now. And what I did was I started to really look at what are the the things that really get us caught in these stable misery relationships? And what are the things that we can use to break free from them? Um, And to make it easy, I realized that over all the years of, of working with clients and looking at things that the things that get us into stable misery are the same things that can get us out of stable misery, right? And so I came up with the PATHS framework. And PATHS is an acronym. It stands for Perspective, Awareness, Tools, Healing, and Self-Empowerment. And there's a download that people can get that I'll, you know, direct them to later that where it has all this. So you don't have to write everything down. Um, But Perspective, that often has to do with, our the stories we tell ourselves right and when we're in stable misery we're often telling ourselves stories that are not helpful to the situation whether or not there is evidence like in our mind there's evidence for it right and they're often stories about what the other person is seeing thinking feeling or believing (laughs) And it all starts with the head, like wherever the head goes, the body will naturally follow. So if you're telling yourself things in your head, it's going to express itself in your behavior. So if I'm telling myself, oh, my husband thinks I'm stupid or he doesn't care about me, then my body's going to shut down. I'm going to turn away. I might get defensive or passive aggressive because this is the way I'm, these are the stories I'm telling myself. So my body's naturally going to follow. So what we can do is we can shift our perspective, right? And one thing that I always tell people to start with, it's like a magic gem, is when you're communicating, well, let me back up. In marriages, we have a tendency to communicate um, our beliefs as if they are facts, Mm. right? So you don't care about me. You never try. right, you're wrong, right? So we say these things and all that does is just elicit defensiveness from the other person. Mm -hmm. But there's one phrase we can put in front of that that could seriously transform the entire conversation. And that phrase is the story in my head is.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: (laughs) The story in my head is you don't care about my needs. The story in my head is you're not listening. You never listen, right? And then that gives the other person room to actually engage you, right? If you think that I just don't care, there's not really much room for me to engage. There's nothing I can say in that moment. But when we say the story in my head is, then that reminds us that just because it's what I believe in this moment doesn't make it true for the other person. And it gives the other, it, it, it expands the space between us so that we can continue to talk, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the A stands for awareness. You now, I uh, for me, and I'm sure for some of our listeners, I was raised in a home where feelings were a liability, or at least the difficult ones were, right? So sadness and all these other things, it was like, these are things that just, uh, why, why, just go away, you know? And so I learned very early to shut down my feelings, shut down my body, especially when things got agitating, you know, became agitating and frustrating for me. The issue with that is that as we go through life, one thing I've learned is that our feelings are a signpost. They're so valuable. They give us insight into what's going on for us in and around us. So in relationships... If you're feeling shut down in your marriage, that's a signpost, right? So saying like, what's the need here? What is, what is this shut down space I'm in? What is it telling me about me? What is it telling me about me, right? And what I need or what I don't need, right? Or what's going on. So when we really start, same with body sensations, like I carry all my stress in my back and my neck, right? Yeah, you too, right? Yes, totally. <laughs> so oh when, yeah, right. And you know, even now you want to like stretch, right? Yes. A little bit. <laughs> so that's where it shows up. So if you find that every time you walk into a room with your partner, your back tenses up pay attention to that. That's, that's important information. Mm. And I know it may sound a little weird, but maybe ask the tension in your back. Like, what message are you carrying for me right now? What do you want to tell me in this moment? Right. And just notice what comes up. So befriending our feelings, befriending our body sensations and using them for what they are can help uh, instead of shutting down, can help us address the issues head on in the beginning before they come out of our mouth. Right. Or before we start engaging or interacting in a way that um, that will that will we may later regret or won't help the situation. Yeah. Right? And um, the T stands for tools. Now, I always say we're using tools. Every, 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 every time you're in a relationship with somebody, every interaction, we're using a tool. The question is never, am I using a tool? The question is, is the tool I'm using helpful or is it unhelpful, right? So giving the silent treatment is a tool, right? Kindly engaging someone or respectfully engaging someone or asking a question to get deeper clarity, that's a tool too. Just one tends to be a little bit more helpful than the other, right? So really a lot of times what happens with couples I find is that their uh, toolkit has become so narrow when they're in stable misery. They have like, they went from maybe having 15 tools to now they got like five or two, you know? And so part of it is about how can I widen my toolkit so that I have different strategies that I can experiment with to engage my partner. And when you're trying to implement a new tool, whether it be out of a book or whatever, wherever, you know, it's really helpful to include your partner in it right? And say, hey, you know what? I want to try this new thing. Let's try this story in my head thing that I heard this lady talking about on a podcast, right? And see where that goes, see what happens for us, right? So intentionally replacing unhelpful tools with helpful tools. is really important. So if you, re- you recognize, like take out a sheet of paper and write down what are the three most unhelpful tools that you know you use in your marriage? And then think, what is something I can replace one, each of these tools with? and then write it down and just take one of them. Just take one of them. Don't try to change the whole farm in one day. Just take one of them and say, okay, this week I'm gonna really, really focus on swapping out this tool for this tool. And then just notice, notice what shifts, notice what comes up. Even if your partner isn't agreeable to to join in it with you, that's okay. You don't have to have the other person engaging in the particular experiment with you in order for it to elicit change. Yeah. So swapping out those tools that don't work for tools that do, um, H is really, really, I mean, they're all really important, but this is where the, the depth comes in because H stands for healing. Now I know for me, what I realized was I brought in a lot of stuff, quote unquote, into my marriage. Like I was in an abusive relationship in college. I brought some of that into the marriage, you know, some stuff from childhood brought that into the marriage. Right. And it wasn't, and, and it was impacting the marriage. Right. So we all enter into relationships, especially our marriage with backpacks filled with stuff you know, and it's not that we have to unload all the stuff before we get married. Sometimes it's enough to just be aware that the stuff is back there, right? That we have the stuff in the backpack. But what often happens is we enter into these marriages with stuff and we don't even realize that the backpack is is on our back, let alone filled with stuff, right? We feel heavy. We're not sure why, <laughs> we don't realize like, oh, I just brought my entire childhood into the marriage and just <laughs> splashed it all over everything, right? So the H stands for healing, and that is really important, healing and honoring. So asking ourselves what within me, especially when we feel triggered in our marriage, what within me needs to be healed or honored? Like maybe I need to heal um, something from childhood. Maybe we need to heal something that happened last year in our marriage. Maybe I need to honor the fact that I'm tired or hungry, hangry, you know, I mean, it could be, it could be something simple, right? Maybe I need to go get blood levels checked. I don't know. Right. But realizing that, especially when we're triggered or when something keeps coming up over and over and over again, the same argument or the same situation, that is often a sheer sign that something is in there. There's a wrench in the system. That is leading it to function in an ineffective way that needs to be removed and it's often something that is an unmet need that needs to be honored or something from our past that needs to be healed. And the S stands for self empowerment when couples fall into a stable misery marriage what often happens is we we often get into victim mode it is so easy to get tangled in the victim vines, you know, like, oh, woe is me. It's the worst thing ever. If he would only, if she would only, right. And, and we lose our sense of power, our own sense of power, you know, in this sense of like, wait, where do I have power in this relationship? Right. Where, what can I shift? What can I do differently to impact this situation? Because we all have power. And the first Place that we can go to discern that is to our needs. What is my primary need in this moment, right? Maybe I have a need to be heard. Maybe I have a need to eat. Maybe I have a need to, um, uh, I don't know, for affection or whatever it may be, right? Go to that. What's that primary need and how can we empower ourselves to get that need met? Um, preferably not stepping outside of the marriage to get that need met which can often happen right uh there are a lot of ways we do try to and this is i know it's kind of like going into another area but Um, With self empowerment, a lot of times what we try to do is we try to get our needs or we try to empower ourselves by going to other things and sometimes it's not another person. Your business can be your mistress, alcohol can be your mistress, food can be your mistress. There's so many other things that we go to for that sense of power, but if we can figure out how can I dive within myself to figure out what those needs are and empower myself To move to a different space um, within myself, then we'll start to see that reflecting in our marriage. So that's the past.
0: (laughs) Love that. That was so powerful. And when I when I heard that, I was like, you know, it's so funny to listen to you talk about it. Cause I've I think I've had a podcast episode on pretty much each of those things separately. (laughs) Yes. You know, because they're they're things that we've I've, I've heard before, we've learned mm-hmm. before. And, and you don't realize that it's the combination of all of them that really is what causes this, this stable misery state. Yes. And so, okay, so next question I have is going to be a fun one. Okay. And this is, what do we do? Talk to me about stable misery, as it relates to marriage and, and sex, right? Because, mm-hmm we get in this place and then <laughs> part of our marriage, <laughs> it truly it's, is so, it's right. And it's, it's no fun anymore, or it becomes like a chore, you mm-hmm. know, and I've just been feeling like this is something we don't talk about. I mean, this is yeah. the other thing. Stable misery itself is something we don't talk about. And my, mm-hmm. my whole show, one of my, my main things that I, points I like to make all the time is I'm here to shed light on the things that nobody talks about. Because if we just, if we just normalize it, if we just normalize the fact that everybody struggles in marriage, if we normalize the fact that like, stable misery happens, it's a that's Mm -hmm. a thing, and it happens. And there's nothing wrong with you or your marriage or your husband. When it does, we just have to recognize it and move on. And like you said, start using the tools in our toolbox. And so having dry spells in, in, in sex and intimacy in the marriage that happens as well. What would you say in that area? Yeah.
1: Before I get there, I want to comment on something you just said that I think is so important. A lot of times we think about, um, trouble or problems in our marriage, like a light switch, you know, either our marriage is great and going perfect, or, you know, we flip it the other way. It's not, it's broken and it's, it's, we're never gonna, we're never gonna get it on. Um, in reality, though, going from what I like to call dynamic joy and stable misery, mm. it's there's a dimmer switch. It's more like a dimmer switch than it is an on-off light switch. So at any given point, you can ask yourself, am I closer to stable misery or are we closer to dynamic joy in this relationship? But the odds that everybody's going to be at dynamic joy 100% of the time, all the time. That's a myth that often pervades marriages. And then when people find that they may be like midway or even 75% there, they automatically say, oh my gosh, we're broken. But really stable misery, it's just a sign, right? Like my husband and I, there are times we still move towards the stable misery, but we can recognize it. And we can say like, oh, you know what? Things are getting a little uh, stiff here. Maybe we need to go on. What What can we do? What's What's going on? What needs to be healed? Not you know, and do all the things that I just talked about, so that we can maybe push that switch up a little bit more. So I'm so glad you said that because I do want people to shift their thinking around that. Um, now, sex. Yes, such a good topic. This you're right. This is one. It's so interesting because whenever I work with couples, I find that I'm often the one to bring up the sex, you know, like some (laughs) sex, right? And then it's like, we haven't had sex in years or we haven't had sex. And it's like, you just didn't think to mention that, did you? (laughs) You And part of it, I think there there is a taboo around that. You watch these shows and it's like people meet five minutes later, they're in Burger King bathrooms, getting it on, or they've been married in these shows and they're having sex every time after every commercial break, you know? So there's this sense that that's how it's supposed to be all the time. But the thing is, especially when you dive into the stable misery pit, sex is one of the first things to go. And Part of that is evolutionary because when we're in stable misery, our bodies, our systems often enter this fight, flight, freeze state, right? So we're ready, we get geared up and the adrenaline starts pumping and we're ready to defend ourselves and, you know, that sort of thing, or we just sort of shut down, you know, we just freeze and it's like, oh, whatever. Uh, So when we're in stable misery and we're in that cycle, what often ends up happening is, well, let's go back to caveman days real quick. In caveman days, if there was a cheetah chasing you, you didn't stop to have sex. Like your sex drive went away. It wasn't there. You were trying to save yourself. You were starving. Like sex is the first, you don't want to procreate. (laughs) You want to live, right? So sex is one of those things that just, we're hardwired for it to slow down when we're under high stress or in those fight, flight, freeze modes. So the lack of sex isn't necessarily a problem in and of itself, it's often a symptom of a much bigger problem. So if there's no sex, again, that's just a sign that, hey, we're in stable misery. Now, there could be some other issues. There might be, you have to rule out things like physical issues, like if sex is painful or erectile dysfunctions or, you um, previous traumas, things like that might definitely impact it. But if it was, no, we were swinging from the chandeliers a month ago or you know, a year ago and now we're not, well, something's happened. It didn't just stop. And again, staying in it with each other, turning towards each other and coming to an agreement that we're gonna take this as a sign, not necessarily a symptom that we're broken, but as a sign that something needs to be shifted. And not necessarily, and, and not not to the point of, because I, I work with couples who will say, oh, great, you're going to tell us to go have sex tonight. And I'm like, that's the last thing I'm going to tell you. Like, it's it's a sign that something, like, we need to deal with the underlying issues, jumping in and having sex with you. That's not going to change anything. It's not going to change anything at all. But it is a sign that, okay, something needs to be addressed that's being ignored. And what is that thing? Right. So that's the big key there. Using it as the symptom climbing underneath it and figuring out, okay, what is this a symptom of? What is the fact that we're not having sex telling us? What needs, like what lions are chasing us? Okay. Or in what ways might we be starving in other areas that lead our drive to decrease in this way?
0: Right. So good. Thank you. Um, That was one of my questions. And then I'm just pausing so I can edit out my. um... (laughs) Is there anything else around this topic or anything else uh, that you feel like the listeners should hear?
1: Yeah, you know, stable misery in marriages, they often go in a cycle, right? I call it the mistress cycle because I referred to that a little bit earlier. And what ends up happening is we're in stable misery And then we elicit a mistress. And again, a mistress doesn't have to be another person, right? A mistress can be like all the things I mentioned earlier. It could be work. It could be, for me, it was, it was work for me and my husband. It was like, we're just going to be really, we're just going to work really hard and and then we'll feel better. And the reason why we do that is because um, those different things that are outside of our marriage that we have to turn away from our marriage to engage, they satisfy a craving. They give us a sense of control. And they also help us to feel more confident, right? And so craving in the sense of we naturally seek pleasure. Like we are pleasure-seeking creatures. That's what we are. And if something in our lives is leading us to feel depleted or unfulfilled or unhappy, we're going to turn away from it. Like that's a natural thing. So stable misery isn't even unnatural necessarily. It's not, It actually means we're working fine. Right? Because we're turning away from things. If we, as a species, turned towards things that didn't feel good, we probably wouldn't have made it this far. Right? Like we <laughs> would have been extinct long time ago. So we turn towards things that make us feel good. So if there's something in our marriage is making us feel not so good, then yeah, it's natural to turn towards work or turn towards food or whatever it is. So realizing that. Um, in the stable misery mistress cycle, when we realize that we're in stable misery, the first thing that we're going to do, sometimes, not often, not all the time, but some, one thing we might do is we might elicit a mistress, something that we can go to that can satisfy that need for that craving for pleasure. The other thing that it does is um, it gives us a sense of control, right? A, a general sense of control is a basic need that everybody has. We all like to have a sense of control, even if our sense of control is giving up control, right? Like sometimes people are like, I want to relinquish control, but that's even making a choice, right? So being able to, when we're in our marriage and we feel like everything I say is wrong, everything I do is wrong. I don't know whether to turn left or right or up or down. it we That need for control isn't being met, right? So then that can also lead us to turn away. And again, it's just about recognizing, recognizing if you turn towards your business, what is your business- providing you, you know, the last thing is competence. So we have craving control and competence for me. I think that's really why I turned towards career because I felt like I, I just couldn't, I'm like, I help people with this and I can't, I can't do this. Like, why can't I do this? This is what I do. You know? So in addition to feeling like an imposter, I also felt like I was incompetent (laughs) because I was like, I feel so dumb in this marriage, right? So I would turn towards work because there I was smart and people smiled at me and they told me I was doing good and I was helping them with their marriage and their kids and it was great and wonderful. So again, it was that sense of competence that I could turn towards. So just realizing that stable misery often leads to that mistress piece. The problem with her, however, or him is that, that mistress can very quickly move to the next level in the cycle, which is the frenemy stage. Mm. And the frenemy is that thing that feels really good and it's great and it's wonderful, but it's also screwing up your life, Mm. right? And the more we turn away from the marriage, right? Then the more we, you know, sink into whatever our mistress happens to be, then our marriage gets worse because we're not turning towards it to fix it. We're not turning towards it to improve it. So it just keeps falling deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper into stable misery. And so what happens, so then you just flip right back up to deeper stable misery more, you know, or you can fling off in the cycle and do what I like to call become more of a relationship evolutionary or a revolutionary, which is when we get into a space where we intentionally decide to shift our ways of thinking and methods of working in our relationship. And that's where the paths come in, right? The paths is a very intentional framework or pathway that we can use to help us turn towards each other when we're in stable misery. And stable misery cannot exist When we have perspective, when we're aware, when we're using helpful tools, when we're healing and honoring ourselves and each other, and when we feel empowered, those are the exact opposites of what's going to keep us in that stable misery. So watch out for those mistresses.
0: Wow. So good. I'm glad I asked that question because sometimes (laughs) I think, you know, you come to towards the end of the episode. It sounds like, oh, we could just wrap this up right here, but then... Sometimes it's like the, you're the expert on this topic and sometimes you, you have more to say <laughs> sometimes than I would have even thought to ask. So that's why I was like, what else? What yes. else? What hey, else? I could talk about this all day. <laughs> yeah. So I love that. The last thing I want to touch on before we close out is, um, and you said this in the episode that I listened to you on and you touched on it earlier, that was dynamic joy. Mm -hmm. And that on the episode, how dynamic joy is the opposite of stable misery. So for all of you listeners who were all feeling like, man, I'm in stable misery right now, or at least in some part of it, or, you know, I was in it, you know, maybe a little bit last week or last month or yesterday, and things are better today. Mm -hmm. What define dynamic joy so that they could start to see what's the spectrum, you know?
1: Yeah. I and mean, think that, the word you just used nailed it. It's a spectrum, right? We, off, we we like to think about things in terms of black, white, good, bad, on, off, in, out, you know, but that's not really how life works. There's a lot of gray. And the reason why I like to call it dynamic joy is because it fluctuates, right? Like what I, what brings me joy on Monday might not maybe something totally different on Wednesday, right? So there's this shift that we have to make room for and also realizing like with stable misery everything is it's stable it's it's just one thing and it can often become very hard and rigid right but what dynamic joy is it's our ability to reach within ourselves or empower us or empower us with the ability to even look in our environment for what what would bring me joy in this moment right like we are responsible for Joy, like for the joy that we feel within us, right? It's something that we can cultivate within ourselves. So, realizing that you have that power, you have that ability to create joy within yourself and even within your marriage. And again, it goes back to that dimmer switch, right? Like, you might be, if if it's like, let's say, from zero to 10, zero being completely dark in the room, nothing, just nothing but stable misery and 10 being dynamic joy, you know, it's, you could be at a seven or a six or a five or three or a 10 at any given moment, but you have the ability to shift that, right? Like asking questions like, what would bring me joy in this moment? Not next week, not tomorrow, not, you know, after the kids go to college or whatever, like right now, what's something that would bring me joy? And it's dynamic because when you engage in that thing, Automatically, you'll start to notice a shift. So it's not something that we have to. Uh, it's not like Moby Dick and the white whale, you know, where it's like you're just searching for it all the time and and you'll never ever reach it. Like no, it's something that at any given point in time you can bring more joy within yourself and within your life and within your marriage.
0: Hmm. Love that. So what was striking to me about that is that stable misery is this stagnant, same old, same thing every day feeling like feeling like just, okay, Groundhog's Day, here we are again, you know, and um, kind of making that conscious shift to this dynamic joy of it changes every day and just having that. And it's almost like the, the, um, there's a such a stark contrast from the the boring the sable the mundane yeah. to the joy which is ever-changing evergreen it's it's you know a, a dynamic like you use. so I love that that was um that was really good thank you I my listeners are they they're just going to be so thrilled to hear this so Lynetta. Why don't you tell us uh, how they can find you? How, you know, I saw you were an author and you have all these great things going on. Uh, Let them know. How do they find you?
1: Well, you can go to healingstablemisery.com and please download, you can learn more about me and you can also download the free um, paths framework that I just outlined for you. It's, uh, it outlines the paths like I just described, but it also contains helpful tips and tools that you can start using today to start transforming your marriage. And it's interesting because it's geared towards parenting and partnerships. So even if you find yourself in stable misery, parenting can also use the same paths to help you with that. And one thing I often caution people on. So if you're an overachiever like me, (laughs) you might download it and say, I'm going to do all these things once today, you know, within the next week, PATHS let's go don't do that <laughs> pick one the p or the a or the t or the h or the f and focus on one thing i like to t- i talk about experiments and experimenting with things because when we experiment with something by the very definition of an definition of an experiment you can't fail an experiment you can only learn from it right you just observe and you see something and then you learn and you do it again so i invite listeners to download the framework pick one Area to create an experiment around for a week and then just notice what shifts come up for you and then email me because I want to hear, I want to hear, I want to celebrate with you, I want to fist pump with you, high five with you because that's amazing. <laughs> Love it.
0: Okay, so what was that? Um, what was that website again where they yes. could download it?
1: Healingstablemisery.com.
0: Perfect. And where do they email you once they've are starting to see some wins?
1: Yes. Yes. So it's on there too. It's um, hello. Hello. Mm-hmm. At D R L as and ladybug Willis. So hello at drlwillis.com dot com.
0: So I hope you enjoyed that episode with Dr. Willis. All of her contact information will be in the show notes really, I just wanted to bring that to you guys. Because when I heard her talk about it, I felt like, yeah, stable misery. That just seems like something we have talked about on this show. I have heard you guys talk to me about in the Facebook groups and the DMs and all that. Just feeling like, oh, life is just another day. Groundhog Day over and over. Same thing. Uh, just feeling kind of meh. And I thought this would be a great topic to cover. If there is anything else like this or anything else you want want to hear hit me up talk to me let me let me know let me know in the the dms and instagram you can you can send me a direct message you can join our facebook group all of those links will be also in the show notes but that is how i find out what you guys want to hear what you guys want to talk about that's how i find out what you're struggling with we have some great conversations in there i've gone live a couple of times to talk about either things we've discussed on the show or just things on my heart so feel free jump in there or write a review anything like that that might help you uh, that might help you it also helps me to grow the show and helps other women like you who enjoyed it find it until next week take care hey love thank you for listening to today's show if you found any value in today's episode it would mean the world to me if you left a five-star review and shared it with a friend or someone else who needed to hear this today this is really the best way you can thank me it helps me to get the word out to other women just like you see you next week